So this is a second in our series that we're doing about really how to get wisdom. In elsewhere in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs is all big on wisdom, and it, uh, there's another passage where it says that wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom, though it costs you all that you have, get understanding. Esteem her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Well, last week I looked at the fact that all of us are, in fact, flying solo. Each of us is living in our own unique bodies, with our own unique experience of consciousness and our own unique relationship with both the universe around us and the ground of being that's within us. It's all completely unique to each one of us. And then each one of us is given a set of circumstances by the universe that's also unique to each of us. And our role, uniquely, is to respond to those circumstances with love so as to contribute to the evolution of consciousness. That's our role in life. And we we do that by using all the wisdom that we can get. And the greatest source of wisdom is that which arises in ourselves through our connection with the divine. As Khalil Gilbran says, even as each one of us stands alone in God's knowledge, so must each one of you be alone in his knowledge and in his understanding of the earth, that aloneness, that flying solo. And our primary role in life is to access the wisdom necessary to live in love. And we do that by having our consciousness rooted in our hearts, rooted in that connection with the divine where love exists. I said before that consciousness is an interesting word. <clears throat> it comes from two Latin words, con, which means with, and skios, which means to know. So con skios, to con skios, is to know with. Consciousness is a process of knowing with. Uh, Joanne said to me last week after the service that although we're flying solo, she said, we're not flying in a vacuum, are we? We have around us people, circumstances and understandings that contribute as well to our getting of wisdom. The books that we read may, as the Tao Te Ching says, be the dregs of the sages. And it may be that in our aliveness that we learn how to put our hands to the chisel to live our lives. But that doesn't stop us from taking knowledge and understanding from those around us in order to do the getting of wisdom. We learn from everything that's around us. So long as we remain aware, as Gibran says, that no man can reveal to you aught but that which is already half asleep in the dawning of your knowledge. It's all there within us, but that which is around us can help us. But with this in mind, you know, what can we conskios? 
What can we know with around us? For me, consciousness is a function of connection. What we become connected to, we become conscious of. When those sea creatures first dragged themselves out of the sea, it was because they connected with the air, they became conscious of the air. Plants are conscious of light. You see sunflowers following the sun. That which we're connected to, we become conscious of. And the development of both connection and consciousness, the development of connection and consciousness is what I think drives evolution. For me, evolution is a function of consciousness. Those fish made a connection with something outside of the water, and through that connection and their consciousness of it, they became desirous to pull themselves out of the water, and the connection and consciousness drove that phase of evolution. Connection, consciousness, evolution. And we can see it. You know, we can know it. We can see our part within it. And you can see the development of consciousness in the development of physicality and understanding. Our getting of wisdom is our contribution to that. And consciousness is the way that we do it. As people become more connected to each other, so the understanding develops. And we see social progress Occurring, We see changes in social politics, in racial politics, in gender politics. What was acceptable even 20 years ago is not now acceptable in the Me Too era. A hundred years ago, segregation was considered acceptable. And 200 years ago, slavery was okay. As we come into contact with a greater and greater understanding, so our consciousness develops. That's the nature of the evolution of consciousness. Something else that we can be sure of is that we're part of something greater than ourselves. We're part of our environment. We're part of our planet. We're part of our universe. And although we feel separate by the way of the particularity of our individual experience that makes us feel separate, our flying solo makes us feel separate, we know we're just one of a huge part of a soup of carbon atoms. Looking from space and also at the smallest level, we and the planet are one. Which is why I think the growth of global consciousness and the internet and TV and smartphones is encouraging. Because as we become more connected, our experience tells us that we're becoming more conscious and the evolutionary process will develop accordingly. But for that to happen, we have to become of the, aware of the nature of our connection and continue the process of getting wisdom accordingly. We, we have to be a part of it. And that connection is not necessarily one just of the rational mind that becomes smarter and smarter as history goes on. It's not just about becoming smarter. No, the growth in the connection goes hand in hand with the connection of the heart. 
we are human beings rather than just human thinkers. What we share is our beingness, not our smartness. Those of us involved in this sort of work um, that we're doing at the chapel are connecting with others to raise just this sort of awareness, the awareness of the heart over the head, as has been done by thousands of others in history. And it's upon their shoulders that we've built our understanding. And we connect with all of them as well. And so, as we become more connected and conscious of this, so our consciousness evolves and develops. The great teachers, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, Krishna, all came really to show the potential of humanity, the possibility of being a part of connecting with something immensely greater than ourselves. They came to show that. They saw the way that consciousness was evolving and experienced a connection, not only with that evolving consciousness of the universe, but the reality, the ground of being, the universal mind that was enabling that evolution of consciousness to take place. These great teachers saw their lives as not their own, but as an expression of the love deep within the universe. They saw themselves as a conduit for that love, making a connection with the love deeply within to the love of the sound of being and bringing that love through their lives to the universe that they lived in. As human beings, rather than human thinkers, we can make that connection to the universal mind, even if it is too wonderful for us to understand. And we can, with that connection, bring our consciousness of that deep ground of being out into the world. For me, this whole process is all about information. The idea of the conskios of connectivity being the driver of the development of consciousness and of consciousness being the driver of evolution leads us to the understanding that consciousness itself is actually a library of information that all of us contribute to and draw from. Consciousness itself is a library of information. When we're born, we're all given access to that library. It enables us to learn a language and be educated as to the latest level of understanding that we can connect with. And then throughout our lives, we both draw from that information and we also give back to it. It is a wisdom interface. Our connection with consciousness, with that library that is, exists within consciousness, is a wisdom interface. And you know, nothing is lost because all connections within consciousness are registered and then remain part of the pool of knowledge in that library. You can easily see that in books and all the other accoutrements of learning, but it also exists in every single interaction that each of us has. Every contribution we make, every effect we have, is registered in consciousness and remains there, available to others to connect with and to learn from. 
all our relationships, all the work that we do on ourselves, on the meditation cushion, all of it remains in the library of consciousness that continually evolves and develops. And that is how the evolution of consciousness happens. Like that famous hundredth monkey, we learn from what others have done. And that includes the bad stuff too. It all stays there. And the ordering principle for that information, the ordering principle comes from the ground of all being, whatever you like to call God or whatever, that, that fundamental ordering principle, the universal mind, whatever is enabling and drawing that evolution to the point of completion. There's an evolutionary process that goes to a point of completion. What some people call, the T.R. Deshardin called the omega point, the second coming, the thy kingdom come moment when heaven and earth are perceived as being the one that they've always been, where creation and the creator see themselves in perfect harmony. So consciousness is that great soup of information. You've got a soup of carbon atoms and a soup of information ordered by the love that each of us brings to it. And by connecting with love and by getting wisdom, we contribute to that library. Our role in life is to be a conduit for that love so that it flows through us and, it, and affects the evolution of general consciousness. Which is why it's so important to realize that everything we say or do matters. There is a permanent record of what we're doing taken by consciousness within which we are a part. And everyone we connect with gets to reap the rewards of that connection. Thich Nhat Hanh says, every one of us can do something to protect and care for our planet. We have to live in such a way that a future will be possible for our children and our grandchildren. Our life has to be our message. It's a lovely idea that our life is our message to the future. The idea that our lives are messages and information that we're giving forward. Just as Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad's lives were messages and information for the future, not just from the books that were written about them, but from the direct experience that they left through their actions that ramified through the library of consciousness. And when we connect with them in prayer or meditation, what we're actually connecting with is the information that they've left within that library of consciousness. And you know, your life is, is no less important. Your life is no less important. That idea of the, the, uh, the uh, particularity of, of individuality, the, the idea that no one person is more important than any other person, the equality of particularity. Each of us has a contribution to make to that library. When we die, we will leave behind all the information for others to learn and find about. Barack Obama said, we're reminded that in the fleeting time that is left to us on earth, what matters is not wealth or status or power or fame, but rather what's important is how well we have loved 
and what small part we have played in the making the lives of other people better. That, that's what's meant by getting wisdom, not just for ourselves, but to leave for others to learn from. And all of us are part of that through the contributions that we make to other generations through what we do in our lives. We're all being drawn by a deep love at the center of the universe that is being manifested through us. And in our awareness of our lives, we can reflect on ourselves. While flying solo, we know with our minds and our bodies what's going on around us. We think with our minds and our bodies as we reflect on what's happening to us. And it's in that reflection that we're able to gain wisdom. You know, right now we're most definitely alive. And whereas we continue to draw from that information that other of us have left behind us, it's now, because we're alive, up to us to leave information in that library from ourselves. We can do that because you're alive. Once you're dead, you can't. To move consciousness on in our lifetime. That's why it's all so precious. We can't waste our time on hate or fear or recrimination based on pain. Our role is to have life come into the world through us and make a difference to the evolution of consciousness while we're alive and able to do so. When we die, anything that we've done will be left to those that come after. But while we're alive, we can act and we can make a difference. And you know, it takes years to come to this realization. It takes years to be able to come to this realization that I'm talking about now. All of us here, we're all of a certain age, some of us, some are younger than others, but we've all spent years working on our development, learning how to love, learning what the universe is really about, finding out what the universe, finding out the universe is actually one, a whole. And knowing that we are part of evolution of the universe through consciousness. We've attended endless courses to, to get to this point. We've attended seminars, done countless hours on the yoga mat and the meditation cushion, turned up to the chapel, listened online. And it's got us to this point where we, do, where we can know this, where I can say all this stuff that I'm saying and not, you lot don't think he's bonkers. You don't think, oh, he's totally left of centre, you know. Come to Jesus, you know, you don't think that. You think, okay, well, this might have something. You know, of understanding that our lives do have meaning, that's the most important thing. And that meaning is to act as a gateway for love to come into the world and transform consciousness so that it evolves in a more loving way towards the end that is not known to us but that we can sense. Each one of us here has a responsibility to put into practice the understanding that we've gained over so many years. Because when we die, the understanding that we have gained will die with us. And someone will have to start all over again, trying to get it all out of the library, flying solo, hopefully helped by what some of us have left in that library. So there is an imperative for us to be conscious and to get wisdom, to be vigilant of our minds and to choose love no matter how painful it gets. As the Bhagavad Gita says, content 
with his natural duty, content with his natural duty, each one of us achieves success. Listen now, I will tell you how success can be found. A man finds success by worshipping with his own right actions, the one from whom all actions arise and by whom the world is pervaded. It is better to do your own duty badly than to perfectly do another's. When you do your duty, you're naturally free from sin. No one should relinquish his duty, even though it's flawed. All actions are enveloped by flaws, as fire is enveloped by smoke. Self-mastered, with mind unattached at all times, beyond desire, through renunciation, the supreme freedom from action is attained. With each of us having our own unique duty and making loving what is the focus of that duty, right action naturally arises by itself. You cannot look to others and see what they're doing to find right action. It has to come naturally out of your life, like it did with Jesus and like it did with all the great sages. Don't judge whether or not what you're doing is worthy. It's all part of the process. Self-mastered, with mind unattached at all times, beyond desire, one attains through renunciation the supreme freedom from action. This is the freedom that we can find in our lives, the freedom to love what comes our way, no matter how painful it is. This is the great secret that we can participate in the process of getting wisdom and contributing to the process of evolution by simply taking what happens in our life seriously, that it matters, and by responding to it with all the love we can. That frees us in our actions so that we can become one with love, become one with God, and become one with the process of creation. On Independence Day, that is the perfect freedom. So I put a microphone there in case anyone wants to ask a question or, or say anything. Do you, I'll give you a, I'm going to read something, just give you, if you have the courage to get yourself up to that microphone. If not, don't worry about it. But uh, I thought, is it the 4th of July? It'd be nice to find some link between drinking and wisdom. So I just thought I'd see if I could find something within the second book of the Tao uh, to do that. Now, of course, did find something. So, this is from the second book of the Tao. If you centre yourself in non-being, your mind becomes one. If your mind becomes one, there is no opening in you through which harm can enter. When a drunk falls from a wagon, he won't be killed. No matter how fast the wagon is moving, his body is like other men's, but the way he falls is different. Life and death mean nothing to him. Thus, fear can't enter his heart. He meets all circumstances like an infant, without a thought. 
Unconscious that he's falling, he falls softly and his bones bend like the branches of a tree. If there is such safety in wine, how much more in wisdom? <laughs> 